Amen. Thank you, Eileen. Let's, let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you. You are worthy of all praise, Lord. There is no contest to your kingdom. No one compares with you. There is no one who is like you. That is why we are gathered. We are gathered to worship you as our creator and to adore you as our savior and to thank you as our a provider. God, we are so grateful that you have called us into your kingdom, that you have called us into this church family to be brothers and sisters with one another. It has been so good to be together, Lord. And we pray now that as your word is opened, God, that you would speak to us, Lord, that, that in the power of the Holy Spirit, as we're going to be talking about today, that you would give me words to proclaim your word to encourage all of us to trust in the power of the Holy Spirit, to give us words to be witnesses in our communities and neighborhoods and workplaces and to the ends of the earth. Lord, we love you and we're trusting you to work and to move for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just a couple of uh, housekeeping things as we get going. We're going to continue to try to have one service all together as a church family. And as Jameson mentioned in the middle of the worship service, and if we could start doing this on a regular basis, that as we come in, if this side of the auditorium, if you could always try to sit to your right uh, and, and fill up right to this aisle here and right to this aisle, that will allow others to come in. And for this side, if you could all move to your uh, left to fill up this side of the aisle to leave, so you see, we have, have some empty chairs right there. That's what we're looking for so that people will be able to easily find a seat. And of course, if you feel more comfortable leaving a, a, a seat between you and someone else, we're not going to force you to sit right beside uh, someone. And, uh, and, and that's... Uh, uh, that's totally fine as well. We also want to let you know that tonight there's two hope courses that are starting. And uh, hope courses are ways for you to go a little bit deeper in your understanding of something theological or something cultural or something uh, practical. And so uh, Chris Shipley is going to be teaching a class on the identity uh, project, sort of carrying on the heels of what Jojo Ruba was teaching about a, a few weeks ago. And uh, this is a multi-week class that's starting on Sunday night. It begins tonight. There's still a few spaces there. And then Andrew Wong, starting tonight, is uh, teaching a class called Inspiration and Interpretation. Many people have already taken that class, but we want to make that available to people who haven't had an opportunity to, uh, to take this class. The, the, the goal of inspiration and interpretation is to sort of take away the mystery from, from what I do on Sunday mornings. Uh, there, there really isn't anything special. I just simply read the Bible slowly and carefully, and Andrew's going to give you the tools and the tips to be able to do that. It doesn't mean that you necessarily have to become a Sunday morning preacher, but it's, it's the idea that all of us can learn from and study God's Word on our own. And so part of the class is talking about the inspiration. How did God give us the Bible? How did the Holy Spirit inspire the authors to write the very words of God? That's the inspiration part. And then the interpretation part is how to study it so that you can apply it uh, to your life. So that's happening uh, tonight, and uh, you can sign up at the welcome desk uh, for that. 
We're continuing in our series called All Together Now, uh, that God has uh, brought us together as a church family, and as it says in Romans uh, chapter 15, that we're supposed to live in harmony with one another and together with one voice glorify our God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do, that we're called together And we all have a different part to play. We all have different roles and responsibilities. We don't sing in unison. We sing in harmony. But we want to make sure that we're in sync, that we are, all of us have our eyes on Christ. And as we focus on Christ, we've been focusing on on these four things, that we're on mission together. Christ has given us a mission and that we're worshiping him together, and that we are walking with him together, and working for him together. And then uh, today, lastly, we're going to talk about witnessing of him uh, together. And these are not individual um, uh, uh, activities that we're supposed to engage in. The Christian life is not an individual sport. It's not an individual activity. Yes, there is personal Bible reading, walking with the Lord, and there is personal worship, singing to the Lord in your heart, and there is is ways that we can work for Christ on our own and witness for Christ on our own, but we are stronger together and better together because that's how God has designed the church family, that we are supposed to be a body, a family, a building that's being built together to, to be a place where God is glorified and worshipped. Let me read to you again from Acts chapter 8, particularly, sorry, Acts chapter 1, particularly verse 8 that Eileen read for us. The disciples, the, you know, the resurrected Jesus has now been with them for multiple weeks, and they're like, this is amazing. You're teaching us all this stuff from the Old Testament and how it relates to the new, and, and they're like, it must just be a matter of time, Jesus, before you sit on the throne of David, but before you establish the kingdom in Israel. And Jesus says, no, that's not the, that's not the plan. That's not how it's going to be carried out. And he says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You will be my witnesses. The, the you there is plural. He's speaking to the disciples. He's speaking to all of his followers that they collectively will be witnesses, not just an individual witness, but that we as a church body are supposed to be witnessing together. And Jesus lets the disciples know, he lets us know in this, this, this powerful verse what this is going to look like. If we are going to be witnesses, there are three things that we need to recognize that that Christ has done or is calling us to do. And the, the first one is this, is that as we think about being a witness together, we need to remember this. We need to remember that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have all been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, no, no, the kingdom's not coming right now. But, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This is a, this is a massive mission that Jesus has, has put us on, to go and make disciples of all nations, to baptize them and to teach them to obey everything that he has commanded. That is a huge mission. This is a big 
world and the population just continues to increase. It's a big task. But Jesus has given us his spirit for for the power to be able to fulfill that task. Similarly, right after Jesus rose from the dead, this is what he said in John chapter 20. He said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. That that word send is, 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 in Latin, is the word missio. That's where we get our, the whole concept of missions. Jesus is saying, as the Father made me a missionary, I am making you a missionary. Jesus was a, was a missional savior. He came on a mission to seek and to save the lost. And he called his disciples to be fishers of men. He called us on mission. He had sent us as the Father sent the Son. Now the Son is sending us. That's a big mission. That's a big deal. But look at what he said. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. There was no way that they would be able to fulfill this incredible mission. There was no way that they could follow through on what Jesus was sending them to do unless they received the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is so vital in every aspect of the Christian life, in living an obedient life, living a, a holy life, enduring suffering, understanding the scriptures, all of these things. The Holy Spirit is, is so vital. And also, the Holy Spirit is vital if we're going to be effective as witnesses. First and foremost, because we're not going to want to witness unless the Holy Spirit truly is leading us and guiding us. Unless the, the wind of the Spirit is filling the sails of our life, we will never sail into the choppy and dangerous waters of sharing our faith with unbelievers. But God's design, God's plan is that the Spirit comes in us. And as we yield to the Spirit, He gives us the motivation to share our faith. Listen to what Pastor David Horner says uh, on the subject here. Uh, he's written a, a brilliant book called when, 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 when Mission Shapes the Church. And uh, he says this, he says, Until a work of the Spirit reshapes our desires... So that all our longings are in the Lord. The compelling interests of our lives will not be in declaring who he is and what he has done. That unless the spirit is truly in control, then, then, then witnessing to Christ won't be on the tip of our tongue. Because we'll have other things that are competing for preeminence in our life. But he, said, he goes on to say, but if we understand that we have this treasure in earthen vessels and grasp the immensity of his grace towards us, our perspective on taking that message to the nations or the neighborhood will be transformed. We will order our lives around that which commands our hearts and we will open our lives up to any available opportunity to make his glory known. Is the Spirit, loved ones, is the Spirit in control of your life? Is, is the Spirit casting out things in our life that don't deserve preeminence, that shouldn't be ultimate priorities? And is Christ our ultimate priority? 
And is, are we looking for any opportunity that we can to bear witness to who he is and to what he has, uh, to what he has done? So the Holy Spirit is, is vitally important because the Holy Spirit gives us the motivation to share our faith. The problem is, though, that having good motives and even having a, a well-articulated message cannot change someone's heart. How many times have you wanted to witness to your coworker or your family member or your, your friend and you thought, I finally got it. I have the illustration. This is going to click with them. Once I explain it this way, once they read this book, once I explain it, 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 it from this different angle, now they're going to finally believe in Jesus and then you just feel like you're continually running up against that brick wall. Because it is indeed the Holy Spirit that gives us the motivation to share our faith. But the Holy Spirit also gives the transformation when we share our faith. It's only the Holy Spirit that can open someone's eyes and open a hard heart and to make it soft and receptive. It's only the Holy Spirit that can take the, the rocky soil and make it good soil, the, 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 to, to take the path or to remove the weeds so that the good soil can cause the seeds that were planted to grow. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Eric C. Raymond uh, says this, he says, even our clearest presentations of the gospel with the most loving approaches towards the unbeliever cannot make someone respond to the truth about Christ. A heart that is blind to God's glory, corrupt in its thinking about God, hateful toward its creator, and completely unregenerate is not overcome by the craftiness or perfection of our speaking. Only the power of Christ opens lost eyes to salvation in Christ. It is a work of divine grace and mercy, not of human skill. So loved ones, the Holy Spirit is vitally important. We, we have not been given a, a spirit of fear, but a spirit of, of, of power. And Jesus told us right here in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that we will receive power when we receive the Holy Spirit. And it is that power that will enable us to be witnesses together. So that's where Jesus begins. He's sending his disciples on this mission, and he says the, the, the fuel for the mission, the power for the mission will come from the helper, from the Holy Spirit. And we see that in, in Acts chapter 2. We, we see the Spirit come, the tongues of fire, the sound of wind, all the different languages, Peter's boldness to preach the gospel. And we see hearts that were hardened to the truth of who Jesus was, opened, and we see thousands of people baptized, all because of the power of the Holy Spirit. So first and foremost, we've got to remember, when we think about witnessing, that we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Secondly, is that we have been called to be witnesses. When we when we think about what it means to be a, a, a witness for Christ, we need to have a clear understanding. What does the term witness even mean? Why did Jesus choose to call his disciples witnesses when he was telling them about the mission he was sending them on? So we are, we are empowered by the Spirit 
and we are called to be witnesses. Getting back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Now, there's three major terms that are used in the New Testament to describe our identity as we're engaged in evangelism, while we're sharing our faith. The first one is found right here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that we are called to be witnesses. The, the Greek is, is martis. A witness is someone, is someone who, a person with knowledge of an event or, or a change from a personal observation or experience. We often think about a witness as someone in a, in a trial, and what's the job of someone in a trial who's playing the role of a witness? Their job is just to simply say what happened. Just say what happened. And that's our role as witnesses, that, that, that if Jesus has changed your life, and if the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, just tell people what happened. It's just as simple as that. Think about a courtroom and imagine yourself, all, you're a witness Get your eyes off of, you know, the judge's bench. You're not the judge. Get your eyes off of where the, where the attorney is standing. You're not the attorney. You, you don't have to judge other people in order to share your faith. You don't have to try to argue and convince people like an attorney. Your job is just to be a witness. Now, there are some people who are expert witnesses, and they even make a living just being expert witnesses, going from trial to trial to trial and sharing their expertise. And there are some Christians that are expert witnesses. I mean, some of them go to this church, and they've studied so hard. They know so much. They know how to be a witness to, to, to maybe Muslim neighbors, or they know how to be witness to atheist neighbors or to evolutionist neighbors. And they've devoted their time. They're pretty much an expert witness, and we often call upon them when we need help. And expert witnesses have a role in a courtroom. But so does the everyday person, the innocent bystander who was just standing there and saw what happened. If your life has been transformed by Jesus, then you have a story to tell. When you became a follower of Jesus Christ, angels rejoiced in heaven. When you, the lost coin or the lost sheep or the lost son or daughter, when, when you were found, angels rejoiced. You might not think that your story is that compelling or that exciting, but you have a story to tell and you are called to be a witness. If you look at that Greek word, martis, uh, uh, eventually the whole idea of martyrdom, those who gave witness and lost their life because of what they shared, that's where the word martyr comes from. The word martyr just simply means to be a witness. And there is a cost that comes from being a witness. But this is what we are called to. We just have to swear to tell the truth, <laughs> the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You think about the, the blind man who was healed. He says, listen, I, they, and the, 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 the Pharisees were arguing with him. And he just says, listen, all I know is that I used to be blind and now I see. You think about the psalmist in Psalm 40. He says that God raised me up from the miry clay. You know that psalm? But then the very next verse is, so that many will hear and fear the Lord. 
You have a testimony. You were in the miry clay. You were, in, you were enslaved to sin, and God rescued you. But he rescued you to save you, but he also rescued you to send you, to be a witness, just to tell people what happened. So we're called to be witnesses. Here's the other, uh, the other term, ambassador. Everyone just quickly turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, and find a verse a 20. So you're in Acts right now, Acts, Romans, you'll get into Corinthians and uh, Galatians, then Ephesians chapter 6. Before we get to uh, uh, verse 19 and 20, let's start at verse 18. This is a big run-along uh, sentence that Paul is saying here, but look with me at Acts 6, or sorry, uh, Ephesians 6, verse 18. <clears throat> Again, Paul's in the middle of a very long sentence. He says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. So he's asking the church at Ephesus, make sure you pray. Pray at all times. Then he says in verse 19, he says, "And, and, and also for me. Also pray for me, he says, that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth. That always strikes me that the apostle Paul filled out a connection card saying, give me the words. I didn't think Paul would ever struggle with having the words to say. He always seemed like he knew what to say. But he asked the church to pray for him. Pray that I would know what to say, that words would be given to me, and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Verse 20, for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Even though Paul was, was in chains, he, he saw himself as an ambassador. An ambassador, the, the Greek word there is prospuo, it's, it's an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. You are a citizen of heaven. And not only are you a citizen of heaven, that, that right now we're, we're at the embassy, that the, the church is the embassy, and all this is a, a meeting of all of the ambassadors of heaven who are here to represent heaven, who have been accredited as diplomats to go and to represent the interests of heaven. Paul says he's an ambassador in change, and he prays that he would have words and that he would share it boldly. That, that he wouldn't be ashamed. I was in a, I was in a setting the other day and, and there was a couple of Americans there and, and they, <laughs> they, they, they kind of hesitated. They almost said, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm from America. And, and I just called them out on that. Like, it's okay to be American. Be proud of, your, of, of the country that you come from. And in the same way, sometimes when we talk, oh, I'm a citizen of heaven. No, 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 no. No, be bold. We, we don't speak boldly about things we're ashamed of, but we do speak boldly about things that we treasure, things that we count to be a privilege. And so although Paul was in chains, he saw, hey man, I, I'm still an ambassador. I, this world is not my home. I'm a citizen of heaven. So we're called to be witnesses, we're called to be ambassadors, and then uh, thirdly, we're called to be preachers. A term, turn back in your Bibles to, to Romans chapter 10 and find verse 14. Romans chapter 10 and find verse 14.
Paul writing to the church at Rome. He had just communicated that Christ is the end of the law and the fulfillment of all righteousness and how, and, and how people are saved by calling on the name of the Lord, that they're saved by faith. But then he says in verse 14, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Verse 15, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. What, I, I'm not the only preacher at Hope Church, and I'm not just talking about Andrew and Chris and Phil. We're, we're all called to be preachers. And the the word there, Caruso, is, it describes a person who makes a public announcement on another's behalf. That's our role. In the same way that the ambassador doesn't just represent themselves, they represent the country that they come from. Our message is not our message. And ultimately, how people respond to the message that we bring is, is not them responding to us. No one likes rejection. No one enjoys rejection. But ultimately, our message is not ours. We are preachers, which means that we're making a public announcement on someone else's behalf. We're making a public announcement on God's behalf. That's what we are called to do. And remember, the rich young ruler walked away sad after talking with Jesus. Other people talked with Jesus and tried to throw him off a cliff. Other people talked to Jesus and tried to throw rocks at him. And so, if not everyone who heard it from Jesus himself responded well, we need to be ready and, to, and expect that as we witness and as we act as ambassadors and as we preach, as we share his message with others, we should not be surprised that every now and again, some hostility might come. Every now and again, it might seem to blow up in our face. But God is sovereign over all of those things. It is his message Jesus said, whoever hears you, hears me. And so ultimately, it's not a rejection of us. Ultimately, it's a rejection of Jesus and his message. So we're called to be witnesses and ambassadors and uh, preachers. What are, what are we supposed to witness about? What is, what is the content? Let me just uh, review for some of us and, and, and teach others really Really, the, the four major truths that we are supposed to bear witness about. Four things, and, and I'll, I'll list them here for you on the screen again. God, sin, Jesus, and faith. If you have those four terms in the back of your mind or saved in a note on your phone, these are the things that we are to bear witness about. The first one is we're just supposed to bear witness that there is a God. And we need to be prepared to, to bear witness to the, to, to the evidence that God exists. That God is creator, we are creatures, and therefore we are accountable to him. Romans 1 verse 19 to 20 says, For what could be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Out with, 
Without excuse for what? Without excuse for living a life apart from God. Without excuse for breaking God's law. God is our creator, and it's obvious by looking around in the world. And so as witnesses, we we give testimony to the fact that there's evidence of design all around us. And so we give witness to the existence of God, and we can use a verse like Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. And then we've got to share the bad news, the truth about sin, that Adam and Eve, who were created in God's image, rebelled against God and ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and and separated themselves from God. Sin is, is our rebellion against God and our rejection of his love. Sin is not just about rules. Sin is also about relationship. The rules that God has given us, the, the, the point of those rules is to protect the relationship. The law is there to secure the love that is the ultimate goal. But Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God's law, and they chose to reject God's love. And all of us have done that. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. The death rate is 100%. All of us have cut ourselves off from the creator of life. Therefore, the result is death. Anyone planning on going skydiving in the next uh, couple of weeks? Do you know that 100% of people who go skydiving die? Did you know that? Are you vaccinated? Do you know that 100% of people who get vaccinated die? 100%. Are you unvaccinated? Because do you know that if you walk around unvaccinated, you're going to die? 100% of vaccinated and unvaccinated people die. Because the death rate is 100% in every category. Sound the alarm. We will all die because we all sin. The wages of sin is death. And so God is our creator. We are sinners who are separated from him, but God has sent a savior. Then we move to the good news. We tell people about Jesus. We've told them about God. We've told them about sin. Now we tell them about Jesus. Jesus came as God in the flesh to die in our place to bear the punishment we deserved for our sin. We tell them about Jesus. We tell them about the perfect life that he lived. We tell them about the way that he loved the marginalized. We tell them about how he spoke down those who were oppressing others because of the, the, the political or the religious power that they had. We, we talk to them about his miracles. We talk to them about the way that he treated women, the way that he treated children, the way that he treated lepers. We, we talk to him about his, we talk to them about his teaching. And then we talk to, him, to them about the cross. We talk to, to them about, about him being the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We talk about him being our substitute who died in our place. We talk about Jesus. We bear witness about Jesus. Romans 5 verse 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we share how the truth about Jesus intersected with us personally. And then we call people to respond. We we, we tell them about faith. We tell them about belief. We, We tell them about how do we 
respond. Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Faith in Jesus and repentance from our sin is how we respond. And so all I've done for us is just that quick little summary, just those four words. I just walked you through something that Christians have been using for years called the Romans Road. You can stick in the book of Romans. You can put a little star in your Bible or little instructions on where to turn next. You can copy these verses into your phone. If you don't have a way to bear witness, now you do. Those four concepts, those five verses can help people share their faith. There's a ton of other ways. You go outside to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, they have a thing called the four, and they have a, a, a heart and a cross and a dividing line and a question mark, and, and, and that's, that's a method that they use to share their faith. If you stop by some of the tables in the foyer afterwards, everyone's going to have a method. There's a, a ton of different ways that you can share the gospel. Are you ready with at least one to bear witness. We're called to be a witnesses. So we're empowered by the Spirit. We're called to be witnesses. And then lastly, we are sent locally and globally. We are sent locally and globally. Turn back with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then he says, you will be my witnesses. And then he says, in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Jesus wants us to be witnesses locally and globally. Jerusalem, that was, the, that was their city. That, or, or that, was the, the, that was the place where, he was, where they were at the time. You got to be faithful wherever you, many of them were from Galilee. That's all Judea, but they were in Jerusalem at the time. So wherever you are, you got to be thinking about being a witness. And there was a season there where the whole church was there in Jerusalem. But then they began to spread. And they spread from Jerusalem and all Judea. But Jesus also highlights Samaria. It's interesting, politically speaking, Jerusalem, sorry, Judea and Samaria, politically speaking, were the same area. They were ruled by the same government, but they were worlds apart. And, you know, think about sort of region of Peel, you know, you have the, the, the couple of different cities in Mississauga and in Brampton and, and Caledon. And, but it was, it was even more than that. You, you had one ruler, one government, one system of taxation, all of these. And yet, it's, Samaria is always highlighted as being this other place. It was the same, technically it was the same province, but it was a whole other world. The disciples felt at home in Jerusalem. They felt at home up north in Galilee. But right in the middle there, there was Samaria. There was the, the people thought differently, acted differently. They didn't associate with them at all. If we're going to be faithful as witnesses, we are going to have to go into Samaria. We are going to have to enter into some areas and talk to some people that we would normally not talk to. Places where we would normally not go. And we haven't even got to the ends of the earth part yet. But even in our local witnessing, we have to be willing that, to get to the farthest edge of, our, of the comfort zone so that God can push us even further. Jesus highlights Samaria. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, 
in Samaria, same geographical location, but a totally different world. We, we have to learn how to enter into someone else's world, to ask them questions. How do you think? How are you processing the, the, the data that you're looking at? Because I'm processing the same data, but I'm coming to a completely different conclusion. And it'll be hard. One time the disciples were going through Samaria and they didn't welcome him in a city and the disciples asked Jesus, hey, can we call down lightning to destroy this city? Like there was, right? Sometimes we have people like on social media or that sort of thing and we're, we're, we're praying imprecatory psalms about them. It's because that we relate to them even though we're from the same country, we might even be neighbors, but they live in a totally different world from us. And Jesus highlights Samaria and he says, locally, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then globally, even to the ends of the earth. Even to the ends of the earth. And so at the conclusion of our service today, out in the foyer, we want you to be able to engage with a number of our ministry partners and a number of our, number of our ministry programs here at Hope Church. So outside in the foyer, you can have an opportunity to connect with some of our local ministries, the Pregnancy Care Center, uh, which, which helps uh, young, young women, uh, helps young men who are uh, struggling when, when a young woman has an unplanned uh, pregnancy to, to support them through that. Prison Fellowship is also uh, here, which is ministering to those who are incarcerated. The Fellowship of Christian Athletes uh, is here, and they use sports. They use our gym and a number of gyms around, uh, around southern Ontario, fields and ice rinks, to use sports as a means to spread the gospel with children through the, uh, through the coaches. And then our, our local uh, GO team, which uh, you're going to hear uh, about right now. So I'm going to invite Aaron uh, Best and uh, Alicia Sawyers to come up. And... Uh, so they're going to come up and talk about the local goal team. And then also globally, Compassion International, which is a child sponsorship program. And uh, that's an opportunity for us to maybe not go ourselves overseas, but to support a ministry that is uh, supporting uh, children overseas. And then missions advocacy, um, which uh, actually, Aaron, you're part of the local GO team and the missions, uh, and, and part of a missions advocacy team. So why don't you just begin, let us know about what missions advocacy is, and then we'll talk about the local GO team. Yeah, missions advocacy, uh, we have a team that's currently in East Asia, and me and a few other people from our church are part of a team that helps care for them. So we tried, tried to work with them in sending them out. We help them prepare to leave. We also take care of them while they're there. So we have an ongoing uh, communications with them. I just received a message uh, from them actually during the service and they're asking us to pray for them as they make some decisions about their next steps and uh, caring for their family. So we continue to pray for them while they do that. And uh, we also try to uh, prepare their next steps and take care of them uh, when, they, when they come back. So how are they going to get around if they come back for a furlough? Uh, how are they, where are they going to stay? How are they going to get around? Those kinds of things. So we try to take care of them in those ways. And we try to care for them spiritually. And we try to advocate for them here in our local church. 
by sharing uh, about their prayer needs uh, with the rest of you. And so some of you are on that, that email list, and we send updates out and uh, try to advocate for prayer during our prayer meetings and things like that. That's terrific. That's terrific. And uh, as, uh, you know, every missionary in every country has, you know, different levels of disclosure and all of that sort of thing. So Aaron participates in one where he can't disclose a whole lot, but there are the regular Zoom calls to, to pray with the family as well. Care packages get sent uh, and all of that sort of thing. And so there's going to be a table. Just when you go out these doors right to the left, this is going to be sort of all of, the, all of the Hope Church stuff and all of our partners are against the window. But what Aaron is doing uh, with, a, with a group of people for this family in East Asia, we have a, a, a number of other global missionaries that we'd love to talk with you about because we want to build these teams uh, so that these missionaries can feel uh, supported when they're abroad and when they, uh, when they come home and, uh, and everything uh, in between. But let's talk about local GO team. Let's talk about being, because it kind of starts, right? Jesus started with Jerusalem and then worked his way out. So uh, tell, me, t- tell us what... What is, the, what is the local GO team? How does, it, how does it work? What are you guys up to? Yeah, our local GO team is really just uh, a couple people many years ago that started going to the Brampton Farmer's Market. Uh, there is three of us some days. Uh, some of us, sometimes there's two of us. This year we've had close to eight to eight to ten people from our church that have been going. Alicia's been going for a number of years uh, as well, and we've been going out together. We try to go two by two so that at least uh, one per- when we go to the farmer's market, we just approach people and we go out two by two so that one person can pray while another person uh, speaks with someone, or some, sometimes those teams will tag team, and we'll just start off with a simple question. My question is, do you think you're a good enough person to go to heaven? And I just start off cold like that, and God blesses that approach for me, and sometimes he doesn't, and, and sometimes someone uh, doesn't want to, to talk about that, and that's okay. So we go out, um, we go out Saturday mornings during the farmer's market, and we start off with prayer, and then uh, many times we have people who, uh, this, this year we had two or three people who had never been out witnessing before, and they just came and they just uh, walked with someone who had gone before and prayed with that person as they, as they shared. And that's what really opened the doors for some of those conversations to go a lot farther than, than we would anticipate them to, to go. And so uh, we'll have maybe between f- uh, four and five conversations in two hours, or sometimes we'll have one really long conversation. Um, but uh, we all often accompany it with a gospel track. Uh, that has a summary of the gospel of those four points that you were pointing out. And uh, every once in a while, we'll give someone a uh, business card for our church, not, not necessarily um, to invite them to our church, although they might be welcome to do that, but oftentimes just to give them a point of contact, and we'll include our cell phone number on there as well. That's great. That's great. So, uh, Alicia, like, is this, do you wear, like, sandwich boards and a megaphone? Uh, what, what, like... I'd, some people might be more bold and, and feel very comfortable striking up a conversation. What are the kind of different roles that you can play on the, on the local GO team? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, as Erin mentioned, a lot of the times there's the person who's leading the conversation. So these are people who, um, you know, they've been out for a number of years or you just feel a bit more comfortable um, striking up those conversations. But if it's your first time, there's no pressure at all to like go up to somebody and talk right away. Um, so 
there's the speaker, and then, as Aaron mentioned, the person who prays. So as we're having these conversations with people, the person standing beside the person witnessing is literally just praying in their head for um, the Lord to be working in this person's heart, for the Lord to be um, speaking through the person witnessing. And um, yeah, so many times we've been out and like I've been like, oh my goodness, this is terrifying. But like I'm really sensing that God is working through that person praying and God reminds me of scriptures and just gives me the boldness, as you mentioned, um, in that moment because of the person praying. So. It's been really helpful. That's terrific. That's terrific. And you guys are planning to go out this afternoon. That's so right. if anyone wants to join in, tell us, tell us about what's happening this afternoon with the yes. local GO team. So we have a booth right outside at 1230. Um, so we're going to be meeting there. Uh, you'll see some of us with like a little sign saying, come 1230. Um, and we're going to be gathering there. And then we're going to head to the Walmart Plaza, uh, where we're going to be um, splitting off in pairs and you know, kind of having that model of someone who is been out witnessing before, and if it's your first time, you can, you're welcome to come along with us and just pray, um, and we'll be just having conversations with people in the Walmart Plaza and various stores nearby. That's terrific. That's mm -hmm. terrific. Yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah. So all are, all are welcome to, to you, you can stop by the booth. If you stop by the booth today, that doesn't mean that you're going to Walmart this afternoon. Um, stop by the booth, talk to Aaron and Alicia, talk to some of the other leaders of the local GO team, find out what it's all about, learn just even what resources that they use, ask them some questions about how they, uh, share, their, uh, how they share their faith. But by all means, if, if you're free this afternoon, come and join this team while they go uh, and share their faith just, uh, uh, just down the road. Let, let's, let's hear it for them one more time. Thank you so much, guys. That's a real blessing. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Alicia. Amen. So as I mentioned, the local GO team, uh, a table for our missions advocacy teams, and then all of these other uh, ministries are all out here in the foyer. So grab, a, grab your kids from Hope Kids, grab a coffee from, uh, from the cafe, and you can uh, engage along those, along those lines. And so a witnessing together is, is really the, the last message, the last piece in the puzzle of what we're aiming to do here at Hope. But it's, it's interesting how our mission, worshiping, walking, working, witnessing, how they're all interconnected, particularly this idea of worship. Remember the quote from David Horner that says that unless the Spirit really grabs our heart, unless we truly understand the treasure that we have in Jesus, we will never be motivated to witness. We also won't be motivated to walk or to work. It all comes from understanding the mission that Jesus has given us and worshiping Him. But worship and evangelism Singing about Jesus and delighting in Jesus, worshiping him and sharing about Jesus and witnessing of him go hand in hand. I love the way John Piper describes the, the relationship between these two things in his excellent book called Let the Nations Be Glad. And on the first page, the first page is worth the price of the book. It says this, it says, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exists because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. 
It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. That whether we're talking to a random person in a Walmart parking lot, whether we're praying for someone who's overseas or considering going overseas ourselves, whether we're crossing the street in our own neighborhood to share the gospel with our neighbor, these are all people who we pray would one day stand shoulder to shoulder with us from every tribe and language and nation and tongue and say, worthy is the Lamb. This is the vision we have in Romans chapter 7, 9 to 11. John says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. We worship together, we walk together, we work together, we witness together so that more people would worship together with us here at Hope, to the ends of the earth, and ultimately before the great throne in uh, the, the new heavens and the new earth. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you and praise you and worship you. You alone are worthy of our praise. And God, I pray that you would give us a vision, God, that stretches from our local neighborhoods and families and communities, that stretches to the very ends of the earth, Lord that you would help us to be faithful as witnesses, Lord, in, in sending and supporting those who are going overseas and even considering going overseas ourselves, Lord, but also, but also being faithful locally in sharing the good news, not being ashamed, but being bold, speaking with clarity, speaking with courage about who Jesus is. Thank you for these brothers and sisters who are even going out this afternoon. Thank you for our ministry partners that are here who are ministering, not within the church, but, but outside of the church to those with unplanned pregnancies or those who, are, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, who lack financial resources uh, overseas or those who have been incarcerated or, or those who uh, can't afford to, to be on a, a, you know, a rep sports team but would love to learn how to play basketball or soccer, Lord. Thank you for all of these ministries. Thank you for the opportunity to partner with them to share the gospel to the ends of the earth. Lord, we pray that all the earth would sing your praise. We witness so that others may worship. And may we worship you as uh, we witness as well. In Jesus' name we pray.